0: Amen. It's going to be awesome. All right, we're continuing our series called Tasked. We are on week six. And so, tasked. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to follow Christ. So we have been given a mission from God. We have been called by God. We have been uh, approached by God with an opportunity to serve Him. You have been called. You have been uh, tasked by God, for a mission, for a purpose in this world. Now, different people respond differently to that. We looked at Moses, Jonah, and Noah. Moses, when God said, Hey, I want you to do something. Moses said, Hey, I think you got the wrong guy, because who am I? I don't think I can do this. Jonah said, Forget it. You want me to do that? No way, I ain't doing it. And Noah said, Yes, sir, I will. And just went ahead and started building the boat and spent 100 years building the boat before it started to rain. And we want to embrace the call of God. We want to grab hold of it. That's where life is fulfilling. When we're running from God, when we're insecure about who God has made us, those are frustrating lives. There's enough challenges when you've fully submitted yourself to God, but it's a way better life. We want to accept that mission. So far in this series, we've talked about being a person of love. Loving God and having an attitude of love towards others. We've talked about being a person of faith. Faith is the thing that unlocks the power of God in your life. There are wonderful promises from God that either we grab hold of or we don't. We grab hold of them by faith. For example, has Jesus died on the cross for everyone on the planet? Absolutely. Forgiveness of sins is available to everyone. But if they don't have faith in that, they don't get forgiven. Faith unlocks the power of God for salvation. And faith unlocks the power of God in so many other ways as well. So we need to be people of faith. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to walk by faith, not by sight. We talked about your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That, of course, is different than the ones we've just talked about because that's a group job. That's an all-y'all job. That's not my job individually. It's not your job individually. We all have to work together in order to make that happen. Then last week we talked about your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to worship God, to be a worshiper of God. We talked about acceptable ways of worship. We are to worship in spirit and in truth. And what that means is there can be... uh, A bunch of people singing the song. Some of them are worshiping and some of them are singing a song. Some of them are worshiping, some of them are not. When we pass the plate, that's another type of worship. Sacrifice, tithes and offerings is worship. Some can be giving to the electric bill. Other people can be worshiping God. Worship in spirit and in truth. We talked about uh, God accepts how we live our life. When we say, yes, I'm going to follow the Ten Commandments because that's what God wants. I don't fully understand all of them, but I'm going to do it. Then that's worshiping God in our life, in how we act, how we behave. So that's what we've talked about so far this week. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to be part of the body of Christ. So let's pray and we'll get into the new material this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for uh, just the opportunity we have to be here on this beautiful day. Lord, bless our time. I know you've got a plan for, uh, for these few minutes that we have right now. Lord, help us to grab hold of your truth. Help us to see what you've got for us individually, what you've got for us as a group. Lord, and what's bigger than us that we can believe for and be excited about. So, Lord, bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to be part of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven says this. Now you are the body of Christ. That you is the plural you. All y'all are the body of Christ. And each one of you, that's the individual, you personally, are a part of it. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to be part of the body of Christ. Now, Good Hope Church is an Assembly of God church. The Assemblies of God has a fourfold mission of the church in the 16 doctrines. You know, if you've read that little pamphlet or been in the Foundations class, you've read the 16 doctrines, and they have a fourfold mission for the church that I completely agree with. The four main purposes, of course, there's all kinds of stuff, but the four main purposes of the church are first to worship God, honor God the way he deserves to be honored. To evangelize the world, to share the truth of God, that forgiveness of sins and eternal life is available, that abundant life is there for the taking, to share the truth of God, evangelism, and then uh, discipleship, to build a body of believers being perfected in the image of Christ, to, to get good at being a Christian. You know, it's, as I kind of mentioned earlier, if you're bad at being a Christian, that's a frustrating, painful life. Because you see all these things not happening. You see all these things that should be different. And you just sort of keep stumbling and falling. And that's no fun. Once we get good at it though, it's way better. It's way better. And so that's discipleship. And then the fourth one, which was just added maybe 10 years ago, is to share the love of God with the world through ministries of compassion. Like digging a well. If somebody doesn't have clean drinking water and children are dying... And we have the capacity to dig a well so that they can have fresh water and say, you know what, I think Jesus wants you to have clean drinking water. And so here's a well. May the Lord bless you. That is a ministry of compassion. That's the fourfold mission of the church. Now, I was doing a little bit of research and according to uh, NPR, which I don't often quote in church, uh, according to NPR, there are 2.2 billion Christians in the world. And over 75% of Americans claim Christian faith. 2.2 billion, that's about a third of the world. And over three-fourths of Americans claim to be Christians. Now, what if all 2.2 billion of us focused on doing our part in worshiping God, spreading the word helping each other grow, and ministries of compassion. What would this world be like if there were 2.2 billion people who said, my mission, which I have accepted, is to worship God, to spread the word of God, to help my brothers and sisters get better, and to make a difference and bless people. What if there were 2.2 billion people on the planet that were like that? Wouldn't that be something? It'd be a different planet. It'd be a different place. Everybody has their part, their role. Imagine what we can do if we work together. Now, as we discuss this topic of your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to be part of the body of Christ. Let me tell you about the local church. The local church is an interesting thing in that It's a ministry in and of itself, but there are other ministries dependent upon the local church. So the local church, if you want to visualize this with me, it's like a pyramid with the base level is the local church. Like on Wednesday night, we had youth group and a variety of small groups going on. Super fun. Are we going to have youth group if there isn't the local church? There's no youth group. How about the small groups? They're not going to happen either. The people aren't going to meet each other. They're not going to sign up on the list. It's not going to happen. If you don't have the local church, you don't have the youth group, you don't have the small groups. And by the way, we had uh, 57 kids at youth group on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, like we've been averaging you know, right around 50 this year. Uh, last year it was just under 40. Um, you know, and so we've kind of seen steady growth with that. And we take offerings for the Jamaica uh, Children's Home, New Vision Children's Home. And uh, I saw 57 kids and I thought to myself, well, we might could do something with 57 people. You know, rather than just like, I oh, will read the Bible to them, you know, and whatever. And hopefully it'll be a decent experience where they can get to know somebody who's not, you know, who, who's a believer and that sort of deal. You know, like, it'd be good, maybe... If 57 people got together on one purpose, we might be able to do something worth doing. And uh, I got a list from Pastor Gary over in Jamaica of things that the children's home needs, all the way from a lawnmower, which they've got 30 acres, so they they need a big lawnmower. But, you know, riding a lawnmower, that's the cheapest thing on the list. And then uh, completing their building project on the new building that they have uh, for $44,000 was the big one. Um... But one of the things in the middle was they don't have running water at the children's home. Uh, They have stormwater collection tanks. And if the stormwater collection tanks run out, then they have to buy water from trucks. So trucks have to drive in with water and unload the water tank into their stormwater runoff tanks. And this year there was a drought. The tanks ran out. They spent a ton of money on water, and on the list is another stormwater runoff tank. And I thought for ten thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, they make them out of cinder blocks, and they do you know they make sure that it holds water, and there's piping and all that stuff involved with it. But ten grand, you can build a, a big storage tank for uh, stormwater. And be able to avoid running out of water during drought times. And I looked at 57 kids and I thought, I wonder if 57 kids could pull something like that off. And so I approached the young people with it. And, you know, the young people are very enthusiastic. They smile, they nod, and then later on, you, you know, you've been young before. You know, and, that, and some of you still are, which is fantastic. But you think, yeah, we can do it, you know, and then you jump into it and you realize, oh, this is maybe a little more than what I thought it was. But, but I love the enthusiasm. I love the excitement of it. And I thought, 57 kids, we might be able to do something. So I said, you know what? For $10,000, we can build a, a water storage tank and an orphanage in Jamaica where they run out of water. You want to try to do that? And they're all excited about it. I think if the youth group and the weekend service people work together, we might just could get there. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? We put a little Good Hope Church sign on the side of that thing or something. You know, it'd be kind of fun which Good Hope Church is in Jamaica too. Our church is named after a a little country church in uh, Red Ground, Jamaica, Good Hope Assembly of God. But missions, youth group, these sorts of things, they don't happen without the local church. Without that, um, we're on the radio. On my way here this morning, I was listening to me on the radio. (laughs) That That was kind of fun. Um... Because I was running a little late, you know, that's okay. So I'm hearing me on the radio and that doesn't happen without the local church. I hope you have grown spiritually. If you've been attending Good Hope Church for a while, I hope you've grown personally, individually. If you have, hallelujah for the local church. It takes 70 people every weekend just to make this happen. Everybody has to do their part or things start to crumble, things start to fall apart. And then hopefully, I'm believing for getting to the place of church planting where we can start other churches and then that just multiplies the effect. How many, how many orphanages can we help out? I'm thinking one. Maybe after, you know... We grow some more, we can help two. But right now, we can help one. But if we could start three churches, maybe each one of those churches can help a different one. And now we're helping four. There's ways to multiply our impact. What if 2.2 billion people all work together for a common goal? That'd be something. What does the Bible have to say about this? We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and try to get a grasp of what's going on with this body of Christ and each one of us belonging to it. So, have you heard about spiritual gifts? Raise your hand if you've heard about spiritual gifts. Doesn't that sound nice? Spiritual gift. You know, that's a wonderful thing. Let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 and then 4 through 6. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorant. Let's skip to verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. So different people have different spiritual gifts. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different people can do different things. Verse 6. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. So there are these gifts that God works in all people. How many people think, you know, well, I really don't have any spiritual gifts at all. Have you ever taken a spiritual gifts inventory and they showed nothing? You got nothing. Can't do anything. Can't sweep the floor. Can't shovel. You know, can't do nothing. You know, can't smile at somebody. You know, I mean... Everybody has spiritual gifts, right? And it's fun to find out what they are. It's fun to see, who am I? What has God made me to do? What are are my capacities? You know, that's fun. But here's the thing. Your spiritual gifts aren't for you. Let's go to verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, the spiritual gifts the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good so the gift is for the common good it's not for you that's one of the things that people get confused about like i'm i'm thankful to have the spiritual gift of being able to preach you know uh, sometimes it goes better than other times, but praise God, I've stuck it out and battled through all the different things, and going to continue to do that spiritual gift of being able to preach. If I stayed home and preached at the mirror in the bathroom, would that make any difference? Would that be very helpful? I tell you, there'd be less criticism. You know, it would it would be easier. I could do it whenever I wanted. Wouldn't have to watch the clock. It'd be really nice, but the gift wouldn't make any sense for me to preach at the mirror. Right? Because here's the deal with spiritual gifts. Each one of us has spiritual gifts, but the gifts aren't for us. They're for the common good. We are the courier. We are the ones who bring the gift. It's almost like we're the UPS man. You know, the UPS man brings you something. They have it. They bring it to you. The spiritual gifts we have are for the common good. It's for the body of Christ. You are part of the body of Christ. You have been given gifts. You've been given abilities to serve. You've been given workings, manifestations of the Spirit for the common good. Imagine if the UPS guy, at the beginning of his shift... Just drove the truck home and opened up all the packages. Would that be okay? That, that, that's, that's not right. The UPS guy is supposed to deliver those. So if this is spiritual gifts, for example, because that's the, the analogy, is we are the deliverers of the gift. We are not the... The, the gifts aren't for us. We're to deliver them. We're the courier. So, like if the UPS guy goes home and he opens a, a box up, like, oh, there's a smile in there. You know? Well, there was somebody out there that needed to be smiled at. You know, open up the next one. Oh, there's encouragement in that one. Sweet, I feel good. You know, opens up another one. Oh, there's a song in that one. Neat. You know? But nobody gets the encouragement. Nobody gets to participate in the song. Nobody gets the smile or the hug because they got taken home. Our spiritual gifts are not for us. We are the ones who deliver them. There's one body, one common good. Let's read that. 1 Corinthians twelve, twelve through 13 The body is unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, Jews, Greeks, slave or free, You've been brought into one body. Once we surrender to the Lord, once we say, Would you forgive me and bring me into your family so that I can be part of what you're doing? Then we're forgiven, all our past is taken away, and we're made equal with everybody else that's a believer in God, and we're brought in as children of God to God's family, and we're brought into one family. There are a whole bunch of different families. There's one family of 2.2 billion people who claim to be part of it. Now NPR's definition of Christian and my definition of Christian might be different. You know, because I don't know that 75% plus of Americans are Christians. That seems to be an inaccurate number to me. But, they've checked the box in the survey or whatever it was. There's one body. Would you say that one group, the group of believers, the, the capital C, church, the body of Christ, do you think that body needs help? Or is it pretty much got it all down? Think needs help. Who's going to bring that help? Who's going to be the helper? It's the ones with the gifts. Alright, if you are a believer, you are part of the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 and 16. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. So leave that one up there. If you say, I don't belong, but you believe in Jesus, you still belong. It doesn't matter if you say you don't. You still do. You're still part of the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. Have you ever believed lies? I've believed a variety of lies in my life. I'm hoping to see all of them so I can be free from every lie. It's no good believing lies. But this is a lie I believed when I first became a Christian was, I don't belong. 19, 20, 21 years old, unkempt philosophy student asking terrible questions that people get really angry about. Did you know you can't ask certain questions to Christian people or they get very angry with you? I didn't know that. I just wanted to know the answer, but they, they didn't like that. Um, you know, I come, come, I went to church one time. I had no idea what was going on. You know what I mean? People are standing up. I don't know why. They sit down. I don't know why. They're doing all this stuff. I have no idea what's happening. And I look and I think, I don't know what's going on, but I know I don't belong. That's a lie. It took me, man, 20 years, 15, 20 years to get over that in my heart. Because wherever I would go, it seemed like everybody else knew what was going on. And everybody had the language, you know. Like, I didn't even know what the sinner's prayer was until after I became a pastor. You know, because I was looking for it in the Bible. There's nothing in there that says sinner's prayer. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, you know, like, I don't know. I've been looking for it. What is this thing? You know, and then I found out, oh, it's the repent and follow me in prayer form. Oh, great, that I can do. That makes perfect sense. Gotcha. But let me tell you, just because you think you don't belong it doesn't mean that you don't. Everyone who is a believer belongs. And also, just because you think they don't belong doesn't mean they don't. 1 Corinthians 12.21 the eye cannot say to the hand, "I don't need you," and the head cannot say to the feet, "I don't need you," because guess what? We all need each other. We all need each other. The uh, the good polished Christian needs the raw new believer twenty year old who asks terrible questions, and the raw twenty year old needs the polished believer. The worship team needs the sound tech. The preacher needs the kids' ministry. We all need maintenance people to shovel the snow and to build buildings. And We, we all need each other. Just because you undervalue someone else doesn't mean they don't belong. So don't be undervaluing people. Amen? Amen. Don't undervalue yourself. Because you do belong, whether or not you feel it or not, don't believe that lie because that's from the devil. And then don't think they don't belong either. Because guess what? We need each other. We need one another. Let's talk about imperfections in the body of Christ for just a minute. Have you noticed that imperfect people... Come to church. Have you noticed that? It's shocking stuff isn't it? Imperfect people come to church. Imperfect people love Jesus. Imperfect people. Claim. The living God. As their God. Imperfect people do. How should we respond to that? There's a variety of ways to respond. I'm going to give you three options. Option number one. Look at all those imperfect people. Church is full of hypocrites and fools. I'm going to go home and bury my talent in the ground. Does that, does that sound like a good option? All those hypocrites, I'm going to disengage. I do not belong to the body because those parts of the body are messed up. That's a bad, that's a bad way of thinking fact of the matter is, you're more likely to be a hypocrite staying home than you are to be a hypocrite coming to church. How's that? How's that for a happy thing to say? You know what? People who don't come to church because they say church is full of hypocrites, that's a dangerous thing to do. Don't make that cause you to bury your talent. To take your gifts home with you and not deliver them to who they should be delivered to. Now, of course, here you are in church... So praise God, you don't have to worry about that, right? Hallelujah, that's a good thing. But you may hear people say things like that, that's not a great option. Option number two, I know, I'll be the self-appointed sanctification police. I'll make sure people wear the right clothes, they discipline their kids properly, that they park in the right places. I'll be the one to make sure that everybody else does everything right, and I will be very forceful in it. Is that a real good option? No, that's wildly destructive. Let's not do that. So we don't want to be the sanctification police. We don't want to be the fashion police of the church. If somebody comes into this church and they're dressed poorly or improperly or uh, scantily or whatever the case may be, come talk to me. Come talk to my wife. We will deal with it. And if they're a first-time visitor or probably a second or third-time visitor, we're just going to let it go. Isn't that something? Look at that. And hope they feel something from God. And say, Are you really there? And make a connection with the creator of the universe that loves them. That's what we're, it doesn't matter what they wear. Here's the third option. Especially here at Good Hope Church, when you know, did you know imperfect people not only come to church in general, but come to Good Hope Church too? Oh, shocking stuff. Here's what I want you to think when you notice an imperfect person at Good Hope Church. I want you to think, wow, if they're able to put up with that person, I am so safe. <laughs> uh, they are going to like me for sure. If they're willing to put up with that guy or that lady, man, I should be, I'm should i set. That's what I want you to think. Because guess what? That's part of the deal. We want to love people. We want to encourage people. We want to build people up. And I want you to look at messed up people in church and think, wow, I am so safe. Another thing about the body of Christ is if everybody's doing well, if everybody's strong, if everybody's in victory, it goes good. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. If one part of the body suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You know, women's group goes great at Good Hope Church fantastic I don't get to go sometimes I sneak in eat some of the snacks you know and pretend I'm doing something you know that sort of deal but uh, women's group is going well Wednesday nights I'm with youth group but now there's a good men's study that's been going on it's, it's almost finished up I guess but hoping to get some other stuff going but you know there's small groups happening when women's group goes good the rest of us rejoice when there's a men's group going, the rest of us rejoice. I rejoice specifically when women's group is going good. I've pastored churches where every time there was women's group, all that, you know, it would blow up. Like this person got mad at this person and there's a disaster, so I'd have to pray the whole time. And here it's great. Hasn't happened. It's fantastic. Church goes good. The body of Christ functions well when all the parts function well. Like if I've got a broken arm... You know, I don't go, yeah, stupid arm. You know, I'm like, ah, my arm. You know, I mean, it hurts me. The body is one thing. The foot doesn't go, yeah, well, whatever. Stupid arm is broken. Loser. It's it's just like, oh, we need to deal with this. It hurts the whole body. So when one person gets offended, when one person slides back into their worldly you know, non-Christian ways. When one person gets burnt out and depressed, there's a ripple effect into other people. It affects the whole body. Church goes good when everybody is strong. Um, one more point before the last point. Many hands make light work. 2 Corinthians 8, 13 and 14. The Apostle Paul is talking about giving money for an offering. And here's what he says to this same group he was talking about spiritual gifts to in 1 Corinthians. He says, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. This is very interesting in that. Have you heard of the 80-20 principle? That's 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. It's like seems to be the way it goes, whatever it is, if you're at work or you know, whatever. 80-20. 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. That's one of the things that scares people about spiritual gifts and serving God and doing things for the Lord is being crushed by all these other people needing things. Have you ever volunteered for too many things? Oh man, that can be very, very dangerous. And so What the system is that's described in the Bible is, hey, there may be seasons of time where you're doing a lot and seasons of time where you're not doing anything. That's what this describes. Hey, these people need your help right now. But you're not always going to be the helper. Sometimes you're going to need help and they'll help you. So there are seasons of time like um, when... My wife and I went to finally get uh, my ministerial credentials 16 years ago. Um, we had these little bitty kids, you know, and, and uh, the, they had this like eight old men in ties interrogating us. It was a, quite the interview process, but um, they, were, they were mean looking and everything. And they said to Trinette, and what are you going to do in the ministry? And she said, well, I, was, I got these little kids. I'm pretty much just going to take care of the kids, you know, and not really do much with the church. And one of the old guys said, well, what else would we expect? That's, that's exactly what you need to do right now. You know, we're like, "Oh, okay, great, awesome. You know? <laughs> but the fact is, there are times where you can serve and do quite a bit. There are times where you can't. But if we're all working together, then when it's time for us to do things, we're free to do that. And when we need to recoup and and we're going through a difficult thing or we're in a stage of life where we got a lot of other responsibilities, then there's other people to carry. You know, they'll carry the load. That's the way it's supposed to work. Many hands make light work. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. I think we're a little short on prayer, so me and Larry are going to pray too. So we'll be a prayer team over here. We're going to close with Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There is a race marked out for each one of us. There's fans in the stands and we're going. And it's like the steeplechase. You know, there's, you jump over something, you land in the water. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Throwing off things that hinder. Verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down... At the right hand of the throne of God. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, if you've not run a steeplechase before and you jump over the thing and you land in the water, you're probably going to be like, oh, now I got, my shoes are wet. I'm going to get blisters. This is... Ah. And you're going to look at your circumstances. You're going to look at your situation. If there's somebody else running the race and they happen to elbow you while you're landing in the water, you're going to think bad thoughts about that person. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Verse 3. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Years and years ago, when I was that new believer, I was going to church. Drove an hour to go to this church. Just a little church. 40, 50 people. And they had an evangelist come, you know, one of those fiery guys, runs around, Bible that folds over his hand, and he can yell at people, it's great. He's preaching his message and just having at her, and he stops and looks straight at me, and points at me, and says, look up, not over. If you look over, you'll see the faults of people, if you look up, you'll see the Lord. Then he went back to his message. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. (laughs) That's pretty much my issue. Let me tell you, as we serve, we can look at other people who aren't doing stuff and think, I wish they were helping me. We can look at other people who are making other mistakes. We can watch someone else fall and have compassion for them and have that hurt our heart and weaken us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. The one who we can trust for forgiveness of sins and acceptance. No matter what we've done, who we are, where we're from. He will make us worthy of being a child of God. He's the one we serve. Ultimately, He's the one we're setting our spiritual gifts before. This is for you. So let's pray. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Then I'll open the front up. Oh, we got lots of prayer people. Sweet, I'll open the front up for a personal prayer. Hallelujah! So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for accepting us and bringing us in to your kingdom, to your family. Lord, thank you that we're valuable to you. Thank you that we belong. Lord, but with being valuable, with belonging, there's responsibility. Lord, help us to walk out our responsibilities. Help us to deliver the packages to those that you have uh, addressed them to. And Lord, let us fix our eyes on you instead of all the things that aren't quite right. Lord, because we know you love us. You have overlooked our sin and our faults. You have washed us clean when we trust in you. When we ask for forgiveness, you grant it. Lord, let us fix our eyes on you. Love you, honor you, serve you, and worship you. Then we won't lose heart. Then we won't be discouraged. Then we can continue on. Because we know that we are serving one who is worthy and one who will take care of us through eternity hallelujah father I pray a blessing over each one in this place I pray lord your peace would be with us lord your love would well up in our hearts towards others lord and that your light would shine so bright through us that it would light up the world we walk through so encourage us lord give us strength in Jesus name I pray amen amen you can come on down for personal prayer it doesn't matter what the need is you want to start a relationship with Jesus, come on down for prayer. If you need a physical healing, you need a touch from God in any way, come on down. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage in the Lord this morning.